0: And so it's places like this that are the springboard and the doors and the windows from the heavens that God releases stuff into the earth. So I say thank you for that and for being a part of our journey to help us touch the nations of the earth. So thank you so much.
1: you. Henry. Thank you so
0: much for believing in a young preacher that. I remember you used to tell me, you preach it like a, a a man with wooden legs. You go catch on fire and burn down. So I still preach a little like that, but I've slowed down a little bit. Let me open the Word. Hallelujah. Open your Bible, if you will, or your device, whatever the case might be. I want to take a text from Revelation, the third chapter, this morning. I have not preached anything from the book of Revelation for quite some time. But I will say this to you. There's an entire playlist on YouTube that we... Uh, have up there that's free, that it's the entire book of Revelation chapter by chapter. It's also on our podcast as well. It's available, the audio portions are, and the video portions, so it's not going to be able to exhaust this. We did, I think it was 135 television programs on the book of Revelation. When I started teaching Revelation on television, I figured it would be my death warrant, but it's actually the thing we've got the most response on and that we continue to still get the most response on people are hungry to know the truth. Amen. Verse fourteen says, and under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things: saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that thou art neither hot, or that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot. I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, "I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing," and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and, at the, at, and, 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 and that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of that nakedness does not appear. And to anoint thine eyes with eyes that thou mayest see. Here's the key verse for this, because a lot of people like to use this as almost like God just tearing you up. But here's the real heart of God in this: as many as I love. How many we need to hear that? As many as I love, because sometimes there's a there's a I, I think a warped idea of love that's kind of permeating the church right now because we think I got a little bit of what there. But I think sometimes we we we. we, we you know, have a, a concept of love that's skewed where we think everything is all right and God just doesn't correct anything. But how I many of he does correct us, but we've got to think of him like he's a father. How I many he is not out to destroy you, but he's out to, d- to help you get through the things that are destroying your life. How I many know he's not just a judge, he's a savior. And he wants to save you not just from hell, he wants to save you from the repercussions of activities that rob you of life. Amen. Because after all, He didn't say, I came to give you a ticket to heaven or a get-out-of-hell-free card. I came to give you a life. How many know the life is what gives us this abundance as we journey in this life? And I'm really, really, really just beginning, as you know, in my journey of unraveling truth, beginning to really discover what that really means. Because how many know what we used to think a lot of times? Even I was thinking as I was driving down here this morning you will know them by your, their fruit. And I used to think of that scripture, and we're judging everybody based on what we thought was fruit, and what we thought was, well, did they cut their hair right? Did they wear the right clothes? Did they talk holy enough? Did they act this way? But it didn't say you'll know them by their conduct. It said you'll know them by their fruit. And fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness speaking. Be- but we don't look at that kind of fruit. We look at what we thought was our religious you know mindsets to judge them are they in our group or not
1: yeah.
0: and we thought nobody was in our group except us strict few and I, I posted something recently on Facebook that I think is so powerfully true and that is that we need to lose our remnant mentality because sometimes we think way too small because we think we're just a remedy but that was not written to us it was written to a first century church that was a remnant that was coming out of the national Israel and coming into the fullness of the covenants of promise and coming in Christ and how many of was only a remnant out of that come on that nation of Israel that actually came into Christ that yeah. many of them, how I many do we need to lose that that that, that yeah. just a few of us and we're, leading, we're the only yeah, yeah. guys that got anything yeah. <laughs> Amen. and even sometimes there's a lot of stuff out there I see that I don't agree with but I always deserve the right to say I could be wrong because I've been wrong about some <laughs> other stuff before and on my journey, girl, and hallelujah how many of us can hear what I'm talking about because yeah. sometimes truth will make you mad before it makes you free yeah. And I'm not just talking about, you know, you know, I, I well I can't sidetrack you too much. But I was thinking even of the Apostle Paul, who in Romans 8 says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. And he begins to talk about the, the suffering, and then he comes on down in the latter part of that says, said, For the creation itself will be brought into the glorious liberty. Amen. And that thing rung in my spirit, the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And, you know, we've been through a journey together. A lot of stuff we've been through together, but especially in the 70s and 80s, the message was strong about suffering. If you wasn't being pulled through a hole backwards, you didn't think God loved you. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I've heard me tell the story, but Charlie Ryan, who's going on to be with the Lord now because of the I probably wouldn't tell this story. <laughs> But Charlie was an incredible man in my life, and a real, you know, he's a lot older than me, but I, I, I'd go to Houston and preach for him, and he said to me one time, he had a great church in Houston, he said to me, he said, Lynn, he said, I don't think I'm part of the elect. He said, I don't think I'm a son. I said, Charlie, as far as I'm concerned, dude, you glow in the dark, man, you're what I would call the epitome of the sonship. I mean, he was like a, one of the leaders in the sonship. I said, you're the epitome of what I would think a son would look like. I said, why don't you think you're a son? He looked around like he was about to tell me some real deep, profound sin or something. he said, it's because I'm not suffering. I <laughs> I said, what? He said, no, the church is doing well. Me and the wife get along. Finances are good. The kids are behaving. My health is good. I don't know if I'm part of the other he was concerned because he wasn't suffering. But you know, I mean, that was a big mess. He did. You know, to do not know And so I said, and so he said, I was, I was praying one day. And he said, I took my dog for a walk. And I said, I was concerned. When I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not suffering. And he said, about that time, thunder clapped. And lightning filled he the sky. And he said, my great dane took off running while I had a Bible leash. He said, he threw me down over the curb. <laughs> he said, I dislocated my shoulder, broke my collarbone. And he said, I laid there he said, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta tell you that that's what the dumb and the king dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Text is everything. Paul was saying that in a first see, we've got to realize audience relevance is very important. <laughs> Help me, Lord, get as far as I need. Is. Go ahead. He was talking to a first-century bunch of people who were transitioning out of an old covenant and into the new covenant. And what Paul was suffering for was not because he had dislocated shoulder. He was suffering because he was preaching a message of freedom from their religious system. And most of his problems were coming not so much from Rome as they were from Christians because he's bringing them out of a bondage. Because when they were under that religious system, they were slaves and servants just like they were in Egypt. And God was not interested in slaves and servants because under the Old Covenant, you're a slave and a servant, but in the New Covenant, you're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir. Hallelujah. And so this shift from a slave mentality to a sonship, even, I mean, I could chase all kinds of rabbits here this morning, the prodigal son and the older son, both of them had the same problem. They both had a servant mentality because when the prodigal comes back from the hog pit, he said, Father, make me a servant. And then the older son says, I have served you my whole life and you never gave me a kid. And what dad was trying to get across to them is, listen, I didn't call either one of you boys to be servants or slaves. You're sons. Yeah. You're heirs of the whole thing. And what I'm trying to get you to do is recognize it. What Jesus came to do in the new covenant was reveal the Father. Show us the Father. And in other words, what He began to show us, even that the, the whole, for us it's such a common concept that God is our Father, but He was so revolutionary to a first century bunch of people that when Jesus said, me and my Father are one, they picked up rocks to stone Him because He just identified God as His Father. Amen. And then John would write, Behold what an incredible quality of love the Father's bestowed on us. That we should be called sons. Amen. And because we're sons, then we're heirs. And so the whole idea has to shift from this austere old man on a Victorian chair with a club in his hand ready to slap you upside the head. Has to move from this, that, that, that paradigm to begin to see He is Abba. Amen. And yes, He does. Rebuke and chase and, and sometimes correct me. But He's not doing it to be vindictive. He's doing it that He might... Listen, you've got to think how you would do it as a real father. How I mean, you want your kids to behave not just because you want to be cruel to them, but because you know the pitfalls of what those paths lead to. Because sin, really, God deals with sin, not so much because of what it does to Him, but what it does to you and the rest of the people around you. He will save His people from their sin. He's not saving you from Himself. He's saving His people from their sin. And that's what a father does. And so when you start, when I started seeing what Paul was preaching, read Romans 7 before you get to Romans 8. He was talking about when I was under the law, when the law came, sin revived, and I died. And he's preaching this incredible message of Freedom. And then he says, you know what we're suffering for? We've been beat. we've been locked up, we've been put in jail. But he said, I reckon that what we're going through the suffering of this present time is not worth being compared with the glory that's about to be revealed because the creation itself is going to be brought into a glorious liberty. Amen. And so, see, that used to be a riddle or an enigma to me. But what he's saying there is... What I'm preaching is going to produce a liberty that is a freedom from the bondage of this religious system that's all about divers washings and, and all kinds of rituals and rule keeping that doesn't give you a relationship. Now, I'm not saying it's all right to live any way. I'm telling you, when you really get a relationship with Allah and the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, he becomes the governor. When the kingdom of God starts to be established in your life, it starts to manifest. But I'm going to tell you something. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. He's telling them, do not be entangled in the yoke of slavery. He is not talking about, don't go back to watching movies once you've been set free. He was talking to them in context of Galatians and saying, do not go back to the bondage that you came out of because these Judaizers are trying to bring you back under circumcision and everything else. Because if you do, Christ will you nothing. Amen. And this brother just read you some stuff about Galatians, how that the, the, the seed of Abraham was to be blessed. Are you hearing what I'm coming from? Yes. I'm, I'm taking way too much time to introduce this. But see, what I want to take to you is even, in the book of Revelation is written. It was written to seven churches that were really in Asia in the first century. So first of all, you've got to put yourself in the mind of a first century church. And not see we, what we do is we pull this stuff out of context and we put in the book of Revelation way over here like it's a whole bunch of stuff that's out in our distant future. When in reality, the first chapter itself says these things are about to shortly come to pass. Amen. Now, shortly is not 2019 years in waiting. Amen. Amen. Let me give you this comparison. When Daniel saw his prophecy concerning the last days and what would happen during the the, the last days, God speaks to him and said, shut up the vision because the vision is for the distant future. Seal up the vision and the prophecy because it's for a distant future. Now he said that to Daniel 400 and some years before Jesus comes on the scene. Because the last days that Daniel was talking about was not the last days of this age. It was the last days of the old covenant age. If you don't get that, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Hallelujah. The last days that Daniel was talking about are not in your future. They are past days. I think one of the greatest revelations that's come to me in the last 20 years is the fact that the last days, when you read every New Testament writer, Paul the Apostle in Hebrews 1 says, God hath passed it in these last days. Mm-hmm. Spoke to us by the prophet. Uh, the Apostle John said, little children, we know it is the last time because Antichrist is already on the sea. He said that 2,000 years ago, yeah. yeah. He, says, he, he says, and, and, and uh, he said, the Apostle Peter stood up, Acts chapter 2, Holy Ghost just fell. The kingdom of God came in power. And, and Peter said, this is that. Which is spoken about the prophet Job that is the last days. So the last days I teach a lot of stuff on eschatology and end time stuff in Revelation. And I tell people, especially from that traditional background, probably everything you believe about end times is right. Except you have the end at the wrong spot. And so because we don't know Jesus is already here, we talk Amen. about him like he's not in the room. Amen. And one of these days he's going to show up. And I'm like, well, who isn't living in me? <laughs> they're like, well, he's going to come and they're going to build a temple in the Middle East. where I'm. I that he didn't want to live in that one to start that way. <laughs> He wanted to live in this one. Where is the house you'll build for me? in other words, God listen, God's dream was always to live and dwell tabernacle in us. And he finally finds that dream fulfilled in Revelation 21 when he says, behold the tabernacle of God is with men. Amen. The message Bible says it like this. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. Amen. He's made his home in men. Hallelujah. I always tell people property values just went up. Amen. Because when God moves in the neighborhood, he starts a major renovation program because his purpose is to make all things new, to literally get rid of an old creation Amen. and to give birth to a new creation. So when he begins to declare here to this church at... at uh, let me see which one we're talking about here. <laughs> <clears throat> so when he begins to talk to the church at Laodicea, I want to be, he said, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. What he's talking about is he's addressing a church in the first century that's making a transition from an old covenant thinking to a new covenant thinking. And he's saying, first of all, I need you to know that I'm the Amen. I'm the faithful and true witness, and I want you to know that I'm the beginning of the creation of God. How I many know what He's declaring to them is the old creation was dealt with on the cross, Amen. and through my death, burial, and resurrection, I'm the beginning of a brand new creation. Yeah. If, how many, if you look at the book of Revelation, it is almost like a cosmic collapse of an old creation falling apart, and God giving birth to a new creation. How I many you know the end of the book of Revelation? He says. Write these words down. I feel the preacher sneaking up. One of the preacher. I've been off for about a month, so I'm loaded for bear here. Hallelujah.
1: He says in Revelation,
0: write these words down because they're true and they're they faithful. Behold, I make all things new. In other words, God is saying, listen, I am in the business of new creation. Come in fast. Come on. I I feel like preaching here this morning. Yeah. But when Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, he made this incredibly uh, dismal statement. He said, is there anything, anywhere, that you can say, see, this is new. He said, for the thing which is has already been the river is running to the sea if the sea is not full the sun arises and it goes in a circuit it comes back down and it's just repetitive repetitive cycles and is there anything new anywhere that you can say see this is new that's a pretty good challenge Solomon gave but the reality of it is Solomon I would like to answer that there's a new creature there's new tongues there's a new spirit Amen. There's a new life. There's a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. There's a new temple. Come on, somebody. Amen. There's Amen. a new creation. There's a new birth. What do you say? I am saying he was locked under an old covenant looking for something new. And remember, he said to the prophets, Behold, I do a new thing. That's not the newest revival coming down the pipe. The new thing God was going to do, he already gave birth to and That was the new covenant. And the new man with its new temple, its new Israel, come on, its new creation, its new birth, its new wine, everything becomes
1: God.
0: And when he gets to this chapter in Laodicea, this church, he said to them, "The first thing I need you to notice is, that I'm the amen. amen."
1: Now let me say to
0: you that I think that's powerfully important because when I, if you look at the book, am I making sense to you so far? Amen. Yeah. You read the book of Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy 28, I believe, in 29, it begins to give the curses, and they would stand on one Mount Evil, one mountain, and one. I forget the name of the mountain. And, mountain. Uh,
1: and, and, and they would
0: read the curses. They would recite the covenant curses. And every time they would recite the covenant curses, they would say, if you do this, cursed shall you be, and the people would say, Amen. You're cursed if you move a man's corner. Amen. (laughs) You're cursed if you do this. And I mean there's a list of curses. And after every one of those curses, the people say, Amen. Now I will say this to you. I did a study recently. I have a whole bunch of notes. I've never even preached this. But I took all the curses of Deuteronomy and showed you, and took them to the book of Revelation, and showed you that most of the plagues and the vials and the judgments that are poured out was poured out in the end of the Old Covenant paradigm, or the end of the Old Covenant age, because God was keeping his end of the covenant bargain. And because the people of Israel did not take the blood of the real Lamb of God and put it on the doorpost of their houses, the catastrophes you see in the book of Revelation is God honoring His Word above His name and keeping His end of the covenant bargain because they called the covenant curses on themselves. They said amen to all of them. Here's the thing I'm asking. The next chapter in Deuteronomy opens and says, but I'm going to bless you in the city. I'm going to bless you in the field. I'm going to bless you coming in and I'm going to bless you going out. Put it in a nutshell. I'm going to bless your kids, your cows, and your cash. And you know what I noticed in Deuteronomy? Not one time did they ever say amen. Not one time to the blessing did they ever say amen. But I know in Christ, all of God's promises are yes, come on. And amen. Amen. So when Jesus comes on the scene here to the church in Laodicea and he says to them, I'm the amen. Amen. In other words, I'm the end of the curse, come on, being a curse for us, but I'm also the amen to the blessing because the book of Revelation is not only about the curse, it's about the blessing and it's really, listen, it's twofold. It was a day of darkness and a day of trouble and a day of tribulation for unbelievers, but for those who would put the blood on the doorpost of their house, how I many it was a day that was great and terrible. Hallelujah. And it just depends on which side of that thing you were on. But how I many know if you put the blood on the doorpost of your house, let me just put it in a nutshell. Everything that you see in the book of Revelation, as far as curses are concerned, is not what's coming for you as a believer. It's what you've been redeemed from. Right. Well, oh, I've, I've got some amens on that. But the thing that's really cool is Jesus said, I'm the amen. amen. You know, it's amazing. Malachi chapter 4, the last verse says, I'll come and smite the earth with the curse. Last few words of the book of Revelation, grace be, and peace be multiplied to you. And guess what it is with an amen. And i finally said amen. And then he goes on to say, I'm not only the amen, but I'm the faithful true witness and I'm the beginning of this new creation. I'm the firstborn. I, I, listen, I, I'm literally, I am the new creation. And if you get inside of me, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word loved God. And how you know this beginning I'm talking about is the beginning of a brand new
1: creation?
0: Amen. Now let, let me try to not be too lengthy here this morning. He said, I know your works, talking to this church, that you're neither cold or hot. I wish this our... Cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because you say, because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have no need of nothing, knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy thee gold tried in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment and thou mayest be clothed that the shame of your nakedness does not appear and to anoint your eyes with I said that you may see as many as I love and rebuke as many as I love I rebuke and chase and be zealous therefore and repent or change the way you think now and then he says behold I stand at the door and knock man hear my voice and open the door I will come in to him and will. here's, the, thing, here's the, the phrase that caught my attention this morning that I want to share I will come in and will suffer with him and he with me, him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sit down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now let me come back and unpack a few things here. He comes back and again, he says, because you say, I'm rich and increased in goods and don't need anything. Immediately again, I want to keep this in the context of, 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 of who he's talking to. Once again, as, as it, w- w- it, it, audience relevance is everything. So he sang to a real church at Laodicea, about thirty some years into the New Covenant. Written in a book where he said the time is at hand. He tells Daniel, "Don't." He said, "Seal up this vision and close this book, for the time is at a distant future." In Revelation chapter one says, "Do not seal the words of this prophecy, because the time is at hand." Amen. He said it's the first century we were people. And then he says to them, what reminds me again in context, he said, because you say I'm rich and increase in Christian goods. And immediately I started thinking, now oh, this is all fresh off the press for me. Right? This is not even in the book I read really on But when I started thinking about rich and increase in Christian goods, I thought about the first message Jesus, well, one of the first messages he's preached on the Sermon on the Mount which I believe is the constitution of the kingdom. And he said, you're blessed when you're poor in spirit. And you're blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because if you do, you're going to be filled.
1: Amen. And all of
0: a sudden, I begin to realize, Jesus is talking again to a first century Jewish nation who thinks they've got it all because they've got the covenants of promise and we are Abraham's. They think, come on, we don't need anything. We're rich. Come on. Yes. We're the priest, We don't need... They weren't hungry for righteousness because they thought they had righteousness based on their performance in an old covenant righteousness. In other words, he's saying to them, if you don't get hungry for another kind of righteousness, you're not going to be filled because coming under the old covenant, you weren't righteous unless you crossed every T and dotted every I. Amen. And how many you know that? You know that ain't working too good for most of us. Yeah. Amen. Especially when you really look at the details of the law it is the end of the law. Romans 3 says, there is none righteous. Amen. No, not even one. Not even Moses, the mediator of that covenant may did made by the works of the law. Again, I look back at the history of my journey. In the early days, preaching the kingdom, and we preached the kingdom, so we preached, and we always preach it like one of these days it's coming. Never preaching we're in it, right. but we were going to get in it because we, we based our, our 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 assumptions on. In other words, we accessed the kingdom. We were trying to access the kingdom through old covenant righteousness, except nobody was good enough. Not even the glow in the dark preachers. Hallelujah! But then I began to get hungry for a righteousness that was not my own. Yes, Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. I begin to get realized if I'm under that covenant. What a spiritual deficit I was in, and I was poor in spirit, and did not even know that I was wretched and miserable and poor and blind. Are you hearing where I'm coming from? Thinking my eyes were wide open. I was the blind leading divine. I, listen, come on. I look back at myself and think, I probably was really a real Pharisee. Some of us need to have a Damascus Road experience like Paul did. I mean, he was zealous for the law. He took letters to kill people. And he was out. I mean, listen, he wasn't trying to kill them for, for doing, you know, stuff the Romans, but he was trying to kill them because he thought they were violating 1,500 years of my traditions. And when Paul makes this statement concerning his testimony, he said, I was the chiefest of sinners. And you would have thought he was talking about his testimony in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, hey, let me tell you what I was delivered from. Will be He said, I was circumcised the eighth yeah. day. I'm out of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm set at the feet of Gamaliel and as touching the law. I was blameless. Blameless. That's what he calls me the cheapest of sinners. That's what he said. He said, listen, I was blameless, but I counted all as dumb that I might win Christ and be found in him. Because I'm going to tell you, as long as you have your rich and increased in goods on the basis of your performance, it's always going to be one of these days you're going to attain something that's going to be out there. in your grasp, but it's like a rabbit reaching for a carrot. You're never good enough. I came a long way to tell you you're already accepted in the beloved, and you're already a son, and you're already in the kingdom. And yes, there's some transformation that's got to take place, but it's only going to take place as you crawl up in the Father's lap and let him love on you. Come on, somebody. Because faith works by love. Hallelujah. In other words, you believe more when you believe. And see, if faith, if, 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 uh, if, if the law shuts up faith, Amen. the more you preach oh, the law, oh, the less God. people believe their love, the less people have faith. Amen. I'm stronger in my faith than I've ever been. I'm stronger in my belief system. I've enjoying my journey more than I've ever enjoyed it before. And I've sat on my porch with my wife, who I should have honored, or run this morning, but she's rarely with me. And this is my wife, by the way. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> my <laughs> wife, Joyce. <laughs> I said, oh, the person I said, if I never preach a minute of this, if I never sit in another pulpit, the quality of life it's given us, enjoying this journey, to just give you back your life. Because religion, man, is a thief. It will rob you of your life. Amen. But a relationship with God will give you light, and that more abundantly. And that light literally becomes the light. See, my concepts are changing so much even about that. I used to, listen, my mom used to, I shared this a lot of places too, but my mom used to come in. Back in the days we were in, you know, real holiness stuff. And I, I'm not putting anybody down. If you feel like God told you to do it, do it. But my mother would come in the grocery store and I remember she'd say and hey, listen, I am not saying this to be critical to anything we came through because it was the we did the best we could with what we knew with the revelation we had. But I am so thankful God didn't leave me there. Amen. But my mom would come in and she'd say, she'd go testify. She'd say, I saw the Savior God. She get that old girl. Now I'm not I'm not opposed to the jerky because I get one of myself every day. <laughs> She said, I knew she was the saint of oh, God. Mmm, shine she said. <laughs> because of the glow on her face and the testimony she was. And I'm a young kid. I think, Mom, that's that's not a glow. That's a shine from the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but I think,
0: Mom, you did not know her because yes. she had a glow. You knew her because she had a top knot for a beehive for a haircut. <laughs> but, but she had a dress to her ankles. She had on pantyhose and no legs and her shit. Legs were not shaved. Ain't nothing worse than black hair on her panties. Well, I bet she not do That's what we thought was going to get us to heaven, nevertheless. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, and, and listen, I'm saying this in respect because I, I think that's what people thought I wanted to do. <laughs> Poor ladies had to go through that stuff, like not the value of their looks and and, and even their husband appreciated them. they waiting on you because you're waiting <laughs> I think my wife has dropped dead gorgeous. <laughs> and when I first got her, I said, whatever it costs to keep looking like that, you don't even have to ask me. <laughs> Here's the MasterCard, don't leave home today. that. I told a few years ago it cost me more for her to look like that, but nevertheless. <laughs> I said, we brought people their value and their dignity and their mm-hmm. worth and being worth I'm, I'm not talking about being on god I'm talking about being able to dress and in and, and you know, in other words, because what was it? What see? What we thought was my mom said, "What a testimony! What a light she was to the world." Except that the world views that and says, "You mean your God makes you look like that?" See, it wasn't a light; it was a turnoff. I'm waiting on you. It was. Listen now, God, like I said, if you, the Spirit of the Lord leads you to do whatever you do, you do it. You obey God. But I gotta tell you, if your holiness is hung in the closet or not hung in the closet, you probably ain't holy. (laughs) And righteousness doesn't mean you glow in the dark. Holy doesn't mean you glow in the dark. Holy doesn't mean you're a dress color. The angels of God are not standing before the throne of God going, he behaves. (laughs) He behaves. Look at his outfit. (laughs) I don't know if we ever thought of it like that. That's you not know what holy means. There were snuff dishes and pots and tongs in the tabernacle of Moses that were holy. What makes them holy is they're consecrated for a certain purpose. And what makes you holy is when you find your purpose. Come on. Whether you're a vessel in the house of God, come on somebody. Or uniquely who you are... Not trying to be somebody else because nobody likes you on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten comfortable in my skin. Not trying to preach like anybody else. Not trying to act like nobody else. Hallelujah! Finding out God delights in me.
1: Yeah.
0: He delights in me. Hallelujah! Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah. He really enjoys you. He likes you. Amen. Wants to spend time with you. And so he's telling this church, "If you can overcome, and you get listen, he said, here's your problem. You think you're rich in Christian goods. You think you don't need anything. You think it's all based on your performance. Yes. You think you're rich in the Christian goods and need nothing. And you don't know you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind. I thought I was. I thought I was wise, eyes wide open back in those days. But I was a blind leading the blind.'" and in my own heart knowing something about this ain't right. You're I going to in the You ever said to me like said, something about this it sounds you yeah. know yeah. Maybe say, but something in my spirit said this, this can't be right. But I didn't know it was an alternative. Didn't know it was another. Didn't even know that the new covenant is not an addendum to the old one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Didn't even know. Come on. It was a brand new covenant. That was a grand covenant. That's really one sided. The only requirement it has of you is that you believe and everything will flow out of what you believe. Amen. It's God. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a covenant made between the Father amen. and the Son and we are in covenant with Him because of our narrow relationship with Him. Oh God, Hallelujah. That's, I want to say amen, amen to that. Hallelujah. Amen. That simply because I'm in Christ, I'm an heir of amen. all things. And I'm the seed of Abraham. And I am a blessing. Amen. I know that sound may sound Listen, but if I didn't believe I was a blessing, I'd stay home. Amen. And these shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Amen. You are a blessing blessed. looking for a place to happen. And people are desperately, we are really, and I believe, one of the greatest shifts in American history because the church is changing. Mm-hmm. And some of it is really different. And, I, and, and guys my age and are having a hard time making the ship. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me last year for a million, Deuteronomy, I believe it is chapter 10 or 11. He said, for the land whither thou goest to possess is not like the land you came out of, where you had to till the ground with your foot and carry your water from the Nile River. The land you're headed for is the land the Lord cares for that the rain of heaven falls on. And the Lord said to me, where you're headed, don't look like where you came from. Mm -hmm. Did you touch your neighbor and say that this morning? Where you're headed don't look like where you came from. And so it scares us to death when we're with, come on somebody, it scares us to death. It took the children of Israel 40 years to lose their coming out mentality, to shift to a going in mentality. It took them 40 years to lose their slave mentality.
1: Are you here where I'm coming from?
0: And so when it don't look like where you came from, the warning of the Holy Spirit is remember Lot's life.
1: Don't go back.
0: Amen. The warning to the Hebrews, don't go back. If you go back and you sin, with me, and you miss the mark of this new covenant and you go back. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. Well, He's not talking about if you did something last night and you did it on purpose, you never have an opportunity to be saved. He's talking about sin missing. If you miss the mark and go back and offer the blood of a war or go, go back to an old covenant and go back to circumcision, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. He's not saying you can't be saved. He's saying there ain't another Lamb coming. This is it. <coughs> Amen. So don't go back. Because if you do, you're treasuring up for yourself right against the day of judgment that came within a few years of them. Writing the book of Hebrews. And then he begins to remind them of all of their heroes of faith and says, Listen, man, Listen, don't you remember Abraham? Don't you remember Noah? All these men did something in the visible realm. By faith, that was a picture of Christ. The ark is a picture of Christ's redemptive work. Abraham on a mountain offered his sons a picture of God and his redemptive work. Come on, somebody. Mm -hmm. They left Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. That's a picture of the redemptive work of Christ. And he's sending them. He's reminding them that here is a faith time to get them. Don't go back. And then he ends with Hebrews saying these all men died. They didn't receive the promise because God had a better thing provided for us. That's not way in the distant future. That was the new God. That was the new yes. And he said, now we don't have to just look back at the heroes of faith. Now we can look at Jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith. And we can lay aside the weight and the sin that besets us. And for the first time I begin to see the weight and the sin that besets us was not what you thought you did last night. The weight of the sin was the weight of carrying an old covenant performance mentality. And sin was missing the mark of the work of Jesus Christ. And he reminds them in chapter 12 of Hebrews, Don't be like Esau. Don't you dare sell your burden head as a son. Amen. Come on. Yes. And don't you dare go back to blackness and darkness. And don't you dare go back to, come on, here and trembling. Don't you dare go back to a voice of words and smoke on a mountain, Because you've not come there. You've come to Mount Zion. You ain't coming there. You've already come to... I can... i tell you what, this is the only kind of a church I can purchase here, but most of them have to clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you've not come to the city of God. You are the city of God. You have come to Mount Sinai. You've come to the city. You've already come to the General Assembly of the church in the firstborn that was written in heaven. You've already come to Jesus, the judge of all, and the spirits have made men, uh, just men made perfect. And then he talks about everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And he's not talking about out of your distant future. He was talking about the shaking of Judaism and the collapse of that that would happen under the Roman Empire. And he said, what's about to remain is a kingdom that cannot be shaken because the kingdom is about to be birthed under the new covenant and a new form of government coming on the that's not about rules on rocks. It's a Amen. government where the Holy Spirit himself comes yes. and moves inside of you and takes up his abode and he governs Amen. you from the inside out. Amen. The old one was external. The new yes. one is internal. Yes. Amen. The old one had a natural city. This one has a spiritual city. Yes. The old one had a physical temple. This one has a spiritual temple. The other one had an actual wine. This one's got new wine. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what? In other words, the shift is on. And we've got to shift the way we think it. When he's addressing this church, he's thinking them, if you recognize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, and you ask to me, you could get gold prior to the fire, that you can have white raiment. That white raiment is not a robe when you get to heaven. It's a righteousness. That's the righteousness of the saints that you get because he that knew no sin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was made to be sin yes, so that you could be made the righteousness of God so that you could put on the Lord Jesus Christ that you could put on that robe of righteousness that's not waiting on you when you get to heaven it's already yours right now so that the shame of your nakedness does not appear hallelujah, hallelujah. it will remove your shame that Adam identified with in the mystic garden when, when he said the moment he got the information about good and evil. He said, I'm naked, I'm afraid, and I need to hide. And I say this all over the world. If what you're hearing makes you feel like you're naked and ashamed, and you need to hide from God, you're not hearing the gospel. Amen. Now I'm not saying we don't have the areas that need to be changing. I'm just trying to tell you. You need to run, the moment you find out there's something in your life that needs to be transformed, the worst thing you can do is run from Amen. God. Right. Amen. Come on. And run right to him and crawl upon his lap and say, Amen. Do you get for now? Oh, you did also predestinate. Amen. Not just to go to heaven, but to be conformed to the image of your son. Amen. And you that began a good work in me, you're going to finish it and perform it unto the day of God. Yes. And so he saying to them, I would that you were hot or cold. In other words, I think he said, I wish you'd either get new covenant or old covenant, but because you're stuck in the middle. And I believe that's where yes. the American church is at. Now, he had rolls you again in the first century, but I want you to see the overtones that we still carry. Amen. Is that we still have a mixture of two covenants. And it's hot or cold. I can put it like this. I can even say it like this. I would that you were outer court or both holy places. Because if you're stuck in the middle, you've got just enough of both of them. And there's not anything wrong being in the second dimension if you've been there for 40 years. And then this is what really opened this thing to me. Let me see if I can try to find a little bit of a place here to land. Now, that means absolutely nothing. He tells them to buy gold. How many of this divine nature? That you can be rich. You really will have something. When all the treasures of wisdom are in Christ and He's in you. White raiment is your clothing of righteousness. Being clothed and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your eyes being opened with the anointing of Isaiah. And then he says these words, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Everybody say door. Door. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will suffer with him. Now, you know, I, when I wrote the book on Revelation 2007, I'm in the process right now of updating it. I never saw this part of it. I will sup with him. Now, how many know what I never connected this with? I'm I, I connected with, yes, there's a great supper, and we're invited to let me know, and he wants to sup with us, and a lot of good things that we say here, but I'm for just one point. The night before his decease, he set to take of the one with twelve disciples. And he said, with great desire have I desired to eat this Passover. Why? Because this Passover is like no other that you've experienced for 1,400 years. Because this Passover is the last time you will ever have to kill a woolly lamb. See, we, we I, I don't know, that really dawns on us the power when he's sitting here. Because this is a ritual they keep doing, waiting on a certain guest to come. Yes. And all of the time they're looking for this Passover cup. John says to them, right there is the man of God. And that night Jesus takes that cup to twelve men who don't deserve. They're all going to betray him before the pitch is over. And he tells them, before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me. And then the next verse, chapter 14, verse 1 opens and says, John 14, do but don't let your heart be troubled. And put it in context. You're going to betray me before the rooster grows, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also, because under this old covenant, you're going to fail Pete, and you're going to fail miserably. He looks right in the eyes of Judas and takes the cup. He said, this is my blood of the covenant to ship for you. And if Judas would have discerned that cup, He would have never went and hanged himself. He would have realized if he'd wait a couple hours the hanging of Jesus was going to be his hanging. That this even includes you, Judas? Amen. Amen. He takes that cup and and he says to them, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. And he says to them, I will not drink wine with you again until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Come on, somebody. Yeah. How many know he drank that wine of the new covenant? Yes, 50 days later in an upper room when he opened it. And they said, these men are drunk. He said, I'm not going to deny they're not drunk. <laughs> but they <laughs> drunk like you said they are. Yeah. They're just very filled with the Holy Ghost. said, so we've just popped a cork on a vintage of wine. Yeah. they had never been drunk before. And they toasted the coming of the kingdom and the coming of the king in power. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom was burnt. Yes. And would never increase. And is still increasing to this day. Yes. So when he says, I will sup with you, everything about this carries the overtones of an introduction to a new covenant kingdom of God. And he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice and open to me, I will come into you and we'll sup with you. We'll celebrate the new covenant. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And as many of you as overcome, you can sit with me in my throne. Say throne. So here's two key words again. Door. Say door. 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 And throne. Uh, I could take hours yet to i to conclude here, just to The very next chapter opens by saying, and behold, a door was open." Hey. Everybody say door. 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 Say door. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. and, 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 and behold, a throne was set. Same throne. Now, we, somehow we disconnect <coughs> that <coughs> of Revelation, from chapter 4. We say, you know, here's how the tradition is. Somewhere between chapter 3 and chapter 4, the rapture took place. God took his hall We went to be with him in heaven. Yes. <laughs> to which I reply, such an important event you thought God would have put it at least in somebody's footnotes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a little facetious there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. It's not because you went to heaven. It's because the kingdom was coming on the sea. And then he said, I saw one sitting on the throne, and there was a rainbow, say rainbow, rainbow. around about the throne, <laughs> like unto an emerald. And one sat upon, it was upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And, 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 and there was four and twenty seats, and there was a little book, and in this little book was a little book that was sealed. John said, I wept much because no man could take this little book and open it and loose the seals thereof. And John said, while I was weeping, behold, a, a, an angel came to him and said, don't weep any longer, John. There's a lion. Yeah. Out of the tribe of Judah. Yes. Who has prevailed it? John said, I looked. He didn't see a lion. So I saw a lamb. Yeah. And if it had been slain. Yeah. Let me just unpack a few of these symbols. I saw a throne. That's a symbol of a kingdom. Yes. I saw a door open. That was the access yeah. to the door called Jesus. Yeah. Come on somebody. Yeah. The rainbow around about the throne inside like under like an emerald. Throne. It's a symbol of the covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Come on somebody. But yeah. God put a bow in the cloud with Noah and said, I make you this promise. I'll never destroy the earth again like this. Because the first time he couldn't do it with the blood, but the last time he did it his blood. Yes. Amen.
1: Amen. Glory. Oh, I'm beside myself glory. here this morning.
0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And when that door was open, access was given to a kingdom that's not out in yes. the future and to a new covenant. And in this kingdom, yes. there's a little book. That little book is the new covenant. Yes. And that book had been sealed. It was a mystery that had been hid from ages because it includes Christ, living in you. Amen. And he said, nobody in heaven, not in earth, can take the book and open it. Because in this book is the life of the lion. It's the book of the life of the life. Amen. And what opens is John said I went because nobody could take this book and unlock the seals or take this. Some historians say that the seal that was on was a testimony of every generation against it, that nobody could unlock this. John said there's a lion out of the tribe of Judah who has to the other. And I looked and I saw a lamb. Amen. Because the lamb is the key that opens yeah. the book. Yeah. The lamb is the key that opens the life. The Lamb is the key to the kingdom. The Lamb is the key to unlock this book. The Lamb is the key to this whole book. Because from Genesis to Revelation, it's about Him. And the more you preach the Lamb, the more this book all of a sudden makes sense. You know why? Because it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Not a revelation of events. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ and a revelation to you will produce a revelation through you. And the more you eat the lamb. Put the blood on the doorpost of your house. It will rebuke the death angel. You will leave the bondage of Egypt and that's what this book is about. And I'm standing at the door inviting and he's been saved. And he sent it to a first century church. Here's what's so tragic me, is that I almost have to fight to tell the truth about the gospel. I would think people would be extremely excited because it really is good news. On, stand on your feet all this way. And I
1: said, it really is good news. I posted on my
0: Facebook this week and said, you know, sometimes we get accused of being feel-good preachers, And I said, the truth of it is, when we leave church, we all feel good. That's why it's yes. called... The good news. The gospel means the good news. It's not the bad news behind the bad news. Yeah. It's the good news. And the bad news is there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. The good news is the answer is sitting in this room. Yes. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, the answer is sitting in this room. Some of the most powerful people in the world are in this room in other rooms like this. And I believe as the same shifts to where people begin to see the same. I keep that you might have life and you might have another more abundantly. You know what happens when that new covenant thing begins to be birthed and the land begins to open the seals. He said, I saw every creature. For the way he said, I saw every creature. Every creature in earth and every creature under the earth heard I say. Blessed, glory, and honor. Power and might and dominion belong to you, says Because you have taken to yourself great power. And you have reigned. And you are worthy. And it had a, a trickle down effect. It started out by saying, and the four twenty elders started. Holy, holy. And then the twelve began to cry, holy. And then a multitude in no man could number start crying, Holy. And then every creature begins to cry, Holy, Holy, Holy it is the Lord Alphabet who reigns. The greatest need of humanity today is a revelation of Jesus. Yes. Come on, lift your hands all over this room.